Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Believe it or not, marriage wasn't originally about love. Yes, it was a plus if you and your spouse cared for each other, but it actually was originally about property. Back in the day, both women and children were the property of the man. And even through the 1960s, marriage was more about this, even though in many cultures it was no longer an arranged thing. Couples fell in love, and marriage was the next step that allowed them shame-free sex and the ability for many women to live a comfortable life. Yes, women could work outside the home, and many did, but marriage often served as a safety net since, in most cases, women didn't or couldn't earn anywhere near what their husbands did. So the women's movement was really the catalyst for marriage to become about love and personal happiness. It also brought about no-fault divorce that allowed people to get out of unhappy marriages. And like many things, this has proved to be a double-edged sword. And even though many people say they would like to be married, what that looks like is not exactly clear these days. Ideas and expectations of marriage have always been developing. So I asked fellow marriage therapist and the co-author of The New I Do, Susan Pease Gadois to come on the show today to talk about where marriage is, what it, what it is today. So Susan, thanks for being on the show and talking about what seems to be a constantly changing topic. Absolutely. Thanks, Leslie, for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about this. <laughs> and by the way, your book, is, your, your book is fantastic. So we'll get oh, to that. Thank next. you. But, <laughs> Uh, um, in a recent article for Newsweek, those of you who remember what Newsweek is, you talk about three ways that marriage has changed. Now, and before we get to those three, can you share when you started seeing the, the biggest and most recent change in marriage? Sure. It's, uh, it's pretty clear. In, so I've been working with divorcing and kind of couples on the brink, as I call them, since mm-hmm. the year 2000. I've been a therapist longer than that, but I I started specializing in this area 20 years ago. And it was about, you know, when the recession was happening, the the last great recession that we had in the mid 2000s. So around 2007 to 2010 is Mm -hmm. when I really started seeing clients coming in and, and saying that they were changing the rules, if you will, in their marriage. And doing things like continuing to live together even though they would have normally split up, but their houses were upside down and their yeah. retirement funds, there was nothing left. And, you know, they, they really couldn't do other options um, that they might have otherwise been able to in a normal economy. So that's uh-huh. really when I saw the biggest changes. Well, and that's interesting because that sort of goes back to this, this concept that you know, marriage was originally a financial arrangement, and it still is. I mean, I tell people that marriage is a truly unique relationship, and I know that all those English majors are going to scream at me that you do not modify the word unique. I get that. 
<laughs> but, but, you know, but it, it is, and there's always been a partnership business financial piece. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why there was such a push for, for gay marriage is because they wanted to take advantage of all of the built-in, you know, finance, not the financial, but the financial arrangements plus the automatic things that you get when you're married. So it's interesting right. that, that when things were really tight, you know, I mean, and, and it's one of those things that I don't think divorces should never happen. I, I don't. But I'm always, mm-hmm. it always cracks me up, and maybe you've run into this as a therapist, where people talk about how much we charge, and I'm thinking, do you have any <laughs> idea how expensive a divorce is? We're bargains. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. it's interesting that you found this at a time where people were actually looking at, could they even do this? And what they were coming up with was, wow, this was going to be cost prohibitive back in the, back in the recession. Right, exactly. And, you know, I love what you said. Marriage has evolved a billion times probably in the in the thousands of years that it's been anything. It became a holy sacrament in 1215 by the Catholic Church. And then mm-hmm. in the 1500s, it was more enforced. And so it really became something that the church was in charge of. Mm-hmm. And um, you used to have to get if you got a religious marriage, you, you'd have to get the marriage certificate from your church and the legal certificate from, you know, mm-hmm. the county or wherever. And so more and more people are are getting away from some of those traditions and just making it what they what they want it to be. And it's funny to me that the financial piece is de-emphasized. In fact, it's almost taboo to marry for money because, Mm -hmm. like you said, it used to be. That was what it was. It was a financial and political arrangement. Right. And we evolved to the point where we didn't need that anymore. So it was a luxury because it used to be taboo that you married for love. And that's where the term lovesick came from. It was a Greek term Hmm. that you were actually deemed insane if you were in love. So, well, that's actually yeah. closer to the truth if people really understand what's going on. There is a little bit of insanity going on. That's right. Going on that's right. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, well, it was dangerous because people did stupid things when they were in love. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you don't, you don't make your best decisions, right, when your feet are not on the ground. So now, you know, during the Industrial Revolution, it got to be where we didn't need the financial, political reasons to marry. So you could, it was like a luxury. You could marry for love. And I don't know why the other piece got to be taboo, but it makes perfect sense that it's a financial arrangement. I I liken it to a corporation. You're starting a business together. So it makes sense to make it okay that you marry for financial security. Mm Mm-hmm. And we need to be clear because sometimes that turns into financial shackles, but that's a whole other subject. But right. This actually kind right. of brings up, you know, talking about this, this actually kind of brings up the first big change that you note in your article is that marriage is no longer seen as sacred. So what exactly did you mean by this and what kind of effect does it have? Well, I do believe that um, 
marriage is not something that people are doing through religious means anymore. Uh, and, and certainly there are people doing that. I don't mean to say that's not happening at all, but uh, there's a website called The Knot, and they said that uh, 43% of people who are marrying now are, are being having their weddings officiated by friends or family members instead of mm-hmm. pastors or rabbis. And mm-hmm. it gives marriage, I think, a more casual feel. It certainly okay. still is a legal, legally binding contract, but um, people really don't focus on that either until they go to get divorced. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, no, they don't. They'll be surprised to me. It's like, do you realize this is, this is a legal contract? And when my husband and I you know, have disagreements about something, I said, no, honey, that's in paragraph three, subsection A of our marriage contract. <laughs> and he just, we both just start laughing because it's like, of course, there is no. Yeah, you know, we don't have anything written, but it's like, yeah, no, don't you remember you agreed to this, you know? Exactly. Anyway. Absolutely. No, so I just think that, you know, marriage is, is seen less as a rite of passage into a sacred state than mm-hmm. it is to just maybe, you know, the, the next thing you do um, in life, as Andrew Cherlin calls it, um, a capstone rather than a cornerstone. Okay. It's kind of changed, you know, in that regard. So, yeah, it's just yeah. lost a weight, you know. It, it doesn't have the same weight that it used to. Which, so, again, that, that sounds like it could be both a good thing and a bad thing. So what would be positive about that? Um, I think that the societal pressure to marry is lessening. When I have told younger people about me in my 30s and 40s, I got married at 43 for the first time. Mm-hmm. And people would say things like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you married? <laughs> um, you right. know, it's very insulting. And I actually bought into it. I thought there was something wrong with me. And like mm-hmm. you said, I didn't want to marry just to marry. I wanted to be in love with the person I married. But I think today, young people are not getting that same pressure. They don't have that. When are you going to get married? You know, mm-hmm. um, and and of course I'm being speaking in generalities because I know that sure there are still people where that's happening for, but generally overall there's not the same pressure. Really, what young people are doing is they're getting their finances in order, they're paying off student loans, getting their careers underway, maybe even buying a house, and then you know actually the order has become they have kids and then get married. So the marriage literally comes last in the line of of things to do. So I think that that's a positive because people can be more authentically who they are. Certainly people can get married at any age, but they don't have the same social mandate. So I think it allows them. I, I know my mother, I believe, you know, she got married when she was 21 Mm-hmm. She had kids right away. I don't think that's the life she would have chosen if she had a choice. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I truly believe, you know, I had this conversation with my mother and, and part, and that's why I had what I had in the beginning was because good girls didn't have sex outside of marriage, even though people were having sex outside of marriage. That's been going on for ever in eternity. But right. there was, there was a shame factor involved in that. So, 
you know, I remember asking my mother why she and my father got married. And she says, well, we've been dating for two years and it was either you get married or break up. And I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, oh, my God. Yeah, and and for the, a lot of that was around to be you know, was was around to be able to have sex, right? Which exactly. you know, yep. And I that's, think it's one of the advantages. Very, <laughs> yeah, um, that's not very sustaining, given that we know that you know the the sexual energy in a marriage doesn't doesn't last the whole you know forty years, right? You know. So. Well, you, it actually doesn't come easily, and there are things that you, you know, there are things that need to happen to keep that alive. But again, so what would be a drawback to um, the marriage not being seen as sacred? I think that one of the drawbacks is that it's maybe a little bit. So with freedom, there comes choice, but there also choice can be stressful and confusing. Uh-huh. Sort of uh-huh. like when you know the women's movement said, how dare you open the door for me, or I'll pay for myself, and, and men were kind of confused of like, okay, now what do I do? Um, right, what's my so problem? I think that, yeah, so I think that there, there's a little bit of, um, I don't want to say chaos, because I think that's too strong of a word, but definitely uh, some lack of structure, and mm-hmm. we all need some structure to kind of know our place and kind of know where we're headed and things like that. So the roadmap is different. It's, it's no longer, there's five different paths we could take instead of just one or two. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that can just be stressful and confusing for some people and for society. Well, yeah. Well, right. And, you know, but it's sort of like, you know, the, the, the shackles were removed. Yeah, I mean, I still, you know, I still think back to the very, to the first time I saw, you know, the first episode of Mad Men, <laughs> and uh-huh. I just, I literally, yeah. I literally started shaking. It was just like, oh my god, it was so awful. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so we got rid of that, which was a good thing. But yeah, it, it can be a little confusing about what do we replace it with. Right. What is the norm? You know, that's the thing. We all want to be quote unquote normal. And now we don't know what that is. You know? Right. So. Well, yeah, and it's it, you know, and it and it can be very confusing. It's really funny because my daughter got married a year ago, and her cousins were like, "Why does she want to get married?" I mean, they were they were completely befuddled, <laughs> but they were also wanted to know all the details. I mean, you know, it's kind of, right? You know, like, why That's does she funny. want to do this strange thing? You know, because she's because she's the first one of the of the cousins to to get married. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's a really interesting concept. So I just want to remind you that this is happily ever after is just the beginning on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking marriage in today's world with fellow marriage therapist and author Susan Pease Godois. And if your marriage isn't what you want it to be, one reason may be that there are too many shoulds. It should be this way, or it should be that way. In my book, that means you're trying to please everyone without including yourself. And also in my book, your marriage must work for you. If it isn't, I can help. I invite you to give me a call or send me an email to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me 
at area code 919-924-0463. Again, 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and it's in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. And I want to get back to the conversation about marriage in today's world. And Susan, your second premise that you wrote about is one I'm really a fan of. You say marriage is more flexible. So, again, we were talking about that a little bit before the break, so that's a little bit scary. But what, mm-hmm. how does that work? How, do, how, do couples, how are couples today being flexible in marriage? What are you seeing? Well, I think they are saying, you know what, we don't want those shoulds anymore. And should, that's one of the things that marriage has been a one-size-fits-all and I think a very shame-based institution that if you're not doing it this one way, you're doing something wrong. And more and more people are saying, I don't buy that. And Mm -hmm. uh, we, this is what works for us and this is what we're going to do. So um, the definition of coupling and family has broadened so much. So today, a family can be a single person with a child. It can be mm-hmm. couples with no children. It can be gays and lesbian, cross-cultural couples. Um, they're just all kinds of relationships that are deemed acceptable today. It used to be that you, you live on a street and pretty much everyone had a homogeneous kind of setup. That's uh-huh. not the case today. Um, okay. So... Part of also what I think is going on is that we're living longer. And so when you commit to stay till death do us part, that could be a long time. You know, that could be 50, 60, or even 70 years. Mm -hmm. So to be married two, three, or even four times is, sorry about that, is not outrageous anymore. Um, it's not that that's terribly common, but it's definitely getting more and more common, certainly marrying at least twice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we just have so much choice. We don't have to stay in the same town. We don't have to stay at the same job. And we certainly don't have to stay in the same partnership. Or if we do stay in that same partnership, people are doing things like living apart, um, having uh-huh. open marriages, there's that term polyamory that when uh-huh. I first started doing my divorce work, I think I'd never heard that word. And now <laughs> many people are talking about, you know, having uh-huh. open, loving relationships and, and being with more than one person. So the, the rules have continued to change. You know, I personally feel like any system that is rigid is not as healthy as a system that is flexible. But, mm-hmm. of course, anything to extreme is not healthy. So if it's too flexible, that, right. again, might create chaos. If it's too rigid, that creates rebellion and, <laughs> you know, unhappiness. So I think we're trying to find the right place in, in there. And I think that yeah. we're just continuing to evolve. Well, and this is, and, and this really kind of comes into the premise of your book, The New I Do, that um, you co-authored with Vicki Larson, who's been a guest on the show in the past. It's like, 
about being intentional, about what is it that we want to create. And, and it's interesting because talking about things not being sacred and getting outside of the church, it means that people are writing their own marriage vows, which can be cool. But again, you know, one of the things that I talk to people about is, do you have any idea what it was you promised on your wedding day? Because I really think most of us have, you know, we have no idea. Uh, so I'm, right. I, joke, I joke with my husband about it's an article, you know, it's an article three, paragraph A. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, and my husband and I have been together, we've been married 34 years, together 35, and our relationship has evolved. We're, you know, right. it hasn't stayed the same over the course of that time. We're, we're constantly looking at it because, you know, different things in life. We had children and now our children are out of the house and, you know, we've, you know, just various things. And I think the rigidity is, keeps people stuck. But again, we're talking about mm-hmm. that flexibility being a little bit, oh, what do I do? Oh my gosh, too much choice. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Vicki and I talk about, because the the book of conscious uncoupling became mm-hmm. popular and it's a great concept, but what about conscious coupling? <laughs> you know, yeah, like going. Yeah, I'm much it, I'm much more in favor of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not do it all consciously? So you have to consciously say, okay, where are we now in our relationship? What's one woman in our book said? I've been married five times. It just happens to be with the same person. And her her point was, we have both changed and evolved, and we've done that together. And that's one of the things that people can't always do together. Sometimes people do grow (laughs) apart. And I feel like we shouldn't make people wrong for having that reality, because that is, again, you know, making people conform to a model that's outdated rather than encouraging people to be authentic and true to themselves. And it's unfortunate, especially when people do have children in the mix, uh-huh. when a marriage ends. But it's, it's for the purpose of being more authentic. That's something I think we need to celebrate. And, and I often say the world doesn't need more married people. The world needs more married, uh, sorry, happy and authentic people, right? Uh-huh. So, um, right. So and, and, Yes. And again, that's not mutually exclusive. And I think that a lot of times, right. you know, either or society, I could, you know, it's, I, I mean, it's like the, uh, the line, do you want to be happy or do you want to be married? It's like, um, how about both? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, exactly. You know, to me, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy, right? But, <laughs> uh, but this, this idea that we can't be our authentic selves in marriage, and, and again, I think that's a, a throwback to the rigidity of, of marriage right. and the very strict the very strict roles that you know. And again, there's safety in in strict understanding because it's like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to. You know, it's, it's this way or it's that way. But again, it's very it's very harsh if you can, if you can't or don't want to fit into those specific roles and. Exactly. So to be able to be more honest about what works for you. Right. And I I appreciate you emphasizing that you can be authentic and married. Um, You know, and I don't 
don't mean to imply that you can't, um, but that is one of the reasons that I think marriage and any relationship is so hard because you're constantly having to balance the needs of yourself with the needs of the coupleship and the needs of the other. So right. it's, it's very tricky, and it, I think it's much more of a miracle when it can last and be happy uh-huh. than uh-huh. if it, it doesn't. I, I just think that's a reality, and maybe that's because we're more self-centered, and there are a lot of reasons that people criticize um, those who can't stay in their marriage. Uh, but honestly, just with all the choice we have today, it it feels like we should stop making people wrong when it doesn't work. Oh, forever. absolutely, Ab- absolutely. Because yeah. one person alone now, one person alone can can make a a lot of changes and a lot of differences. But ultimately, they can't do it on their own. And right. my, my personal thing, and I know that as a you know, as a marriage therapist, this is what you do too. We're trying to teach people, here's, here's how to make it work. And, and if one person is just refusing to go along, then the other person can't possibly be to blame for saying, I, I, can't, I can't continue this way. And nor should they. And it, right. again, it's about right and wrong. It's about, you know, and, and my whole thing is, is, are you willing to learn? And if one person isn't willing to learn, then that's, that's, that's an answer right there. You're giving me you're giving me information. Yeah, in my first book called Contemplating Divorce, I talk about workability factors, and that is one. If your spouse isn't willing to work with you on your marriage, then it is not workable. So, right. you know, you have to look at that. You cannot be the one carrying all the work in the relationship to keep it afloat. So I want to, before we run out of time, I want to get to the last, idea because it's funny because you end with the idea that marriage is becoming more business-like, which sounds like it's just come completely full circle, although it's always been about a business. So what do you mean and what are the consequences for this? Yeah, so I think primarily I was saying that love is still an important reason to marry, but that there are other reasons to marry as well, and, and people are recognizing that that is the case and that that's okay. So mm-hmm. financial stability is a great reason to get married, to have a co-parent. To you know, I've heard a lot of people say I wanted to marry him or her because I thought they'd make a good parent, and that's a mm-hmm. fine reason to get married. Um, to someone for to marry someone to have them take care of them, you know, or to grow old with someone mm-hmm. to travel with. I think those are all perfectly legitimate reasons, you know, to marry. And whether love is primary, secondary, or tertiary, I just think, you know, certainly you're going to have a nicer relationship if love is in there. Um, I mean, I believe that's, I, I shouldn't impose that on other people. But um, <laughs> but I, I just think that we are fed this idea that it's only supposed to be about love. And I you know, one one thing that I did want to mention is I hope that someday we're going to see the end of health insurance being tied to either who you're married to or what job you have. Because mm-hmm. I think, again, I think that was a way to force a social structure that it just doesn't work anymore because of all the options we have. So a um, little bit of a political aside. But I, I really do think that... Um, 
having a myriad of reasons why it's okay to get married and mm-hmm. it's acceptable is really smart. Well, and I love the idea that you know, you talk about love and and I think people get, you know, they get caught up into this soulmate, the I love you, but I'm not in love, you, love with you. Like, that's a bad thing. <laughs> right, right. And you're talking about, you know, deep friendship. I mean, deep friendship is about love. It's not necessarily the hot and heavy, rip your clothes off kind of passion. Um, I'm trying to remember, gosh, I wish I could remember who talked about this, but talking about that the, the kind of love you want isn't the love that burns hot and fast, but the but the glowing embers that will keep you warm. Yeah. Well, and that doesn't, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. But I mean, but that's you know, and and so people talk about you know that somehow loving my partner is not as good as being in love with them. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, and it's like oh. You know, love has so many different facets that you know that I that I think what happens is is that if you're so fixated on this one kind of love, then you're you're um, blind blinded from the other kinds. That's a really important statement. And you know, we we interviewed people who had arranged marriages, and one of the things that they told us was that when someone takes care of you, you fall in love. So mm-hmm. the order is different. You know, you don't fall in love and then take care of each other. You take care of each other and that fosters love. And I, the Greeks and Romans had three different kinds of love. And, and, you know, I think getting back to that where we recognize that love does have a lot of different facets. And, mm-hmm. again, it's okay. It's not that off-the-charts romantic sexual energy love that brings people together, but it's a love that sustains the relationship. Yeah, it, it always takes me back to that song in the, in the musical Fiddler on the Roof where, you know, the girl, you know, the, the daughters have, you know, are, are bucking against arranged marriages and wanting to pick their partners and falling in love, and the main character, Tevya, goes to his wife and asks, her if, if she loves him and she keeps she kind of looking at him like what are you talking about and then they go through this, whole, this wonderful song they go through and it's like well of course they love each other wonderful it's this wonderful song just about that and yes. you know in and in my view I I've always adopted that it's not an either or it's a both and and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that it's, it's important to be open. And so, Susan, thank you so much for talking about, you know, this, because I know that you pe- they keep doing, I don't know who they is, the great they, whoever they are, <laughs> you do surveys, and, and young people, you know, still, people still want to get married, and, you know, they're, they're scared about it, like my, my, my nieces, you know, it's like, why is she getting married? <laughs> right, right. But, but it's, you know, we, we do have this, um, I don't know if we want to call it a compulsion. That may sound that doesn't sound good, but we do have this energy of wanting to be in community, wanting to be connected. And right. you know, people are good. People are going to pair up no matter what we call it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, just, I think that marriage is a great institution. It's just 
it hasn't caught up with who we are. I think that we really need to take a serious look at updating things like having renewable marriage contracts and Mm. making it even more flexible so that it's more appealing to young people. Right. So where can people learn more about you, you, your work, your books, all of this stuff? Thank you. So um, my website is changingmarriage.com, and um, I also have another website if people are interested in a, a concept I call the parenting marriage, and I won't go into that, but it's a pretty cool concept that's becoming more and more popular. And mm-hmm. um, if somebody wants to email me, they can email me at susan at changingmarriage.com. Nothing in life, as we're talking about, nothing in life stays static, and marriage certainly is no different. And for some, traditional marriage works great. For others, not so much. And I'm a believer that your marriage does not have to fit any prescribed mold as long as it works for both of you. But sometimes breaking rules and expectations leaves people lost, and it can be scary to do things differently. But when it comes to marriage, doing it the way that fits for both of you, for me, is the way for it to last. So hopefully one of the ways you'll do that is to keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.